why hey there with the implications of poorly designed shared workspaces, open concept offices, and hot desks. Today, we're going to be talking about the ergonomics implications so that when your clients are returning back to the office, we can share these insights and give them clarity moving forward. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Thank you for listening to this episode. And I know that time for you is so precious. So it really does mean so much that you're investing your time with me to learn about shared offices. There's one thing I want to share with you before, ironically, we move into this shared office conversation. And it's to check how well you're hearing it. Or I guess how well my equipment is doing at masking the sound. I live next door to a potato field. And right now, they are harvesting the field. And this this whole idea is just so interesting to me. And maybe you grew up in this type of environment and, and you know this and you're thinking, Darcy, come on now. But I think there's just so many alignments between the f- the workers out there harvesting the field to get their crop and this crop is going to be so important if they mess up during this crop and getting those potatoes out of the field they are not going to have any money for the rest of the year they have been doing work for the past five months to plant the seeds and maintain the field for this day conditions have to be right And their yield is based on how much work that they've been doing and the right type of work they've been doing in the last five months, four months. And of course, as soon as they're done getting the crop out of the field, they're going to be preparing for next year, fixing the equipment, getting the seeds, testing the seeds, making sure that everything is ready to go so that when the weather gets warm, they can plant the seeds at the right time so that they can get as big potatoes as possible. I know I went into a big description there, and if you're still with me, that's wonderful. But I just think that there's so much aligned with that and what we do as ergonomics professionals. Just like what we're doing today, we are learning about shared workspaces so we can bring elements of this to how we conduct ourselves and how much value we can bring clients. And maybe we're not going to be getting our clients immediately. Maybe we need to still learn how to do office ergonomics assessments or learn how to market ourselves. But continually, um, well, first of all, planting the seeds and giving those seeds the opportunity to grow and making sure that weeds don't come and all that good stuff, just like the farmer. So when that opportunity strikes, you're in the best possible position to move forward with those ergonomic services. 
this is the core of my belief and it's why it fuels my fire. And I think it probably does for you too. Why else would you be listening to this episode? Let's move on to what we're going to be talking about today. Shared workspaces. Shared workspaces, this is going to be part one of a two-part series because there is so much information that I want to share with you. And I want this to be a bite-sized piece so it can be actionable and the information can kind of soak in. So let's start the beginning. If you haven't heard of what a shared workspace is, it includes the idea of hot desking. And it's a hot topic, the pun is intended, especially now when your employer contacts and your employees are heading back to the office. Now, there's a number of reasons why an organization may choose to go forward with something like this. These may include their cost-saving benefits, giving their organization a modern facelift to attract a younger workforce, and their inherent flexibility in accommodating those folks that are going to be using a hybrid work model moving forward. And in the past episodes, I've certainly shared that for many organizations out there, this is going to be their model. Working from home two or three days a week and going to the office so they can have that face-to-face time for the remaining days of the week. So this is something that our clients need to know about. And based on my own research and experience in these types of setups, the best staff performance is when organizations either thoroughly and thoughtfully manage the change with long-standing employees or when the open workspace concept has always been integral to that organization. So it tracks those people who want to work that way. So considering how popular and commonplace this is now and how important it's going to be for those organizations moving to a hybrid workspace model, the overall overall impact on the people who work in them is so under-researched. So I'm going to be sharing three things to know today about shared workspaces. And the first thing I want to start with, number one, is their benefits. Let's start off on a really good note. So shared spaces, including hot desks, they can be so alluring to so so many organizations. And they seem to be all the rage today with the cool startup culture, right? How how often have you seen these types of workspaces in really trendy work environments? And I'm pretty sure Facebook works this way. Many of the startups in the world work this way. Um, The benefits of an impeccably managed shared office workstation can definitely make these types of workspaces seem extremely desirable. Here are some of the general, general benefits that research has indicated to be associated with this type of work layout. These include greater employee satisfaction, projecting an image of being modern and forward thinking, 
improving flexibility in the use of the physical space, enabling closer working relationships, higher productivity, more easily exchanged knowledge and skills, increased networking opportunities, and cost savings because office space can be high cost. Let's move into number two here. And here's the thing with this whole working with a shared ideology. It's not going to benefit everybody. So let's talk about some things that you'll have to be aware of so you can share this with our clients. Because they look futuristic, but they can lack coziness, comfort, and privacy. The collaboration could be working really well, but the expense of productivity for tasks that require quiet concentration. Now, I'm going to be sharing some of the consequences of a less than optimal shared workspace system. And this is something that you can definitely add value to organizations with. Perhaps as a consultation with an employer or as someone who's going to help with implementation. As work becomes more shared for some, it increases the cognitive demands without any increase in their benefits. This has huge implications on a person's performance and it can be addressed. And I'm going to be sharing how we can address it in later points. Points number six, and that's going to be coming in part two of the episode. So right now, I do want to talk about the consequences of a really less than optimal shared workspace system. Here are some of the points, negative outcomes related to this, and this is by research. So the first one is that distraction can be significantly worse in all shared office arrangements when compared to those working at home or on the road. Non-productive behaviors, including uncooperative, increased distress, increased negative interpersonal relationships, and higher social liabilities can result. Another one is that supervisor support can decrease as work environments become more shared because that's associated with lower quality supervisor and manager relationships. While some employees may tolerate the ambient noise from an office equipment and the environment in general, overhearing the conversation of others, which is absolutely inevitable in open plan workspaces, is a significant task distraction and source of irritation. There's reduced privacy, and this can increase the employee's use of coping strategies such as withdrawal. So the question for you right now is, have you noticed these things in open plan workstations, workspaces? The last thing I want to talk about today is... Seriously reconsidering lifting the ban on personal items. 
And there is a lot of reason to this. So personal items includes like any sort of personal flares or touches that someone would want to have on their desk. Think of pictures of the family, um, trophies from golf tournaments that they won on the weekend or other things that they would like to represent themselves as an employee at at a company. So personal space allows staff to store meaningful pictures and other belongings, right? There's an almost innate desire to do this for some people. So much so that the research has found that not allowing staff to do so can potentially inhibit inhibit performance. The research has found that banning the personalization of work or implementing a clear desk policy has little obvious benefit, yet has potentially negative consequences to an organization. And in my experience, clear desk policies are usually the wish of, usually expensive, interior designers for aesthetic purposes for when there is merely an open workspace. Most employees in these situations are visibly upset by this as well. Think of someone is working in a, in a poor, uh, I guess, environment. There's some psychosocial issues happening. And this could just be the icing on the cake to why someone, an employee, could be looking for another place of employment. So if space is truly shared, such as when hot desking is involved and staff must vacate their workspace regularly throughout the week, limiting personal items can serve a function. And for the hot deskers, lockers can be added to common areas or lounges to store personal items, equipment, and even hard copies. It should be noted that there is a threat to an employee's identity if a shift from a traditional to a more open concept layout eliminates that personal space. No longer can they personalize their workspace with photos of loved ones or hobbies that they enjoy, those golf tournaments. They can't share how awesome they are at golf with their their colleagues anymore. Their identity shifts. It can even reduce positive emotion, increase stress, and lower the sense of control that that employee experiences at work. Ideally, there should be some sort of compromise to allow some sort of personalization, whatever that means to that individual worker, to those because they have such a, a big desire to do so. So there you have it. The first three things that you need to know about shared workspaces. We talked about their benefits, and then we talked about the negative (laughs) effects of a poorly set up system. And then we talked about the idea of personal items and how some things like this that doesn't seem like a big deal for perhaps the management or interior designers actually have a really big effect 
on those employees. And that's our job as ergonomists, to try to make the best possible productive environment for everyone involved. I hope you really enjoyed these first three things to know about office workstations. And listen to part two, where I'm going to be sharing some useful things to consider to implement that will make the environment way better for everyone involved. So if you like what you heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. And you can get started today.